Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany and today we are joined by Tess Kanner and Lisa Linden of New York Behavior Therapy. Tess is a board certified behavior analyst who specializes in developing social skills, potty training, and parent caregiver behavioral training. And Lisa is a board certified behavior analyst who specializes in developing and implementing personalized behavior assessments to children and creating therapy programs to be used in both home and school settings. Well, Welcome, guys. Thank <laughs> you Hi, so thanks for having us. We're so excited. I'm so excited. I feel like I have so much to learn today. Before we get started, can you both tell the listeners a little bit more about NYBT? Yes. Um, so at our company, our mission is to help every child we serve, regardless of their ability, reach their full potential. So we want to help children live a fulfilling, joyful life and provide parents with the education, the resources, and the support to better connect with their children. By doing so, Lisa and I like to offer a fun, play-based, and nurturing approach to applied behavior analysis to address each child's academic, social, and behavioral needs. So we really like to see ourselves as a full-child approach. So what kind of challenges in toddler age children do you address and at what point do you step in? So we focus on all behaviors of every child and any type of behavior that creates a challenge for the parents, for the school, um, in that any dynamic, we're really there to help guide and navigate th through that with the families. So for example, like a typical child who's having difficulty in staying in their bed, um, after bedtime. That's something we get a lot. Um, we've all been there as parents. Tess and I are both moms. So we, a lot of what we see and do with our own children, we've also been able to use that to help other families. So the bedtime one's very common. So we help and create a plan to address this to parents so that they have the tools at bedtime. So it's not like constantly like, oh, you're back in your bed, back in your bed. And everyone's really frustrated and it creates that bedtime routine hours longer. Yeah. Um, so that's for that too. For typical children, we work through many different behaviors and we help create, like I said before, those plans, we give tools to help parents. And then we also have children who have a diagnosis and those behaviors might look a little bit different. So they might need help learning how to play appropriately, sitting and playing with trains. So we also provide training for the families as well as caregivers for that. So in a school setting, where might a teacher or a parent recognize that a child needs this intervention? So in a, if, you're, if you're asking about a school setting, a teacher who sees 13 kids 
every year, you know, they're really going to pick up on what their, what the typical peer is doing. And then they might be able to see, well, now this child is playing a little bit differently, or maybe this child is really having more difficulty following directions, or this child is really having difficulty transitioning both in the classroom from a preferred activity to a non-preferred activity or transitioning within the school building, leaving the classroom to go to the gym, leaving the classroom to go to the playground or leaving the playground to come back in. You know, there are children that are going to have more difficulty than other children. So a teacher would be able to pick up on those things. And that's when the teacher would reach out to the parents. Um, But services really get led to us in a lot of different ways. It's not always from the teacher. It could be that the parent has um, either a remarkable or an unremarkable pregnancy and then followed by some delays in development or early childhood. And when you go to your pediatrician, you're always telling them about what you're seeing. They're going to ask you questions and either something gets flagged at the pediatrician's office or you could call your pediatrician and bring up some of those concerns. And that's when they might recommend either an evaluation or um, contacting somebody like Lisa and I or a speech therapist or an occupational therapist. Those are sometimes um, how you're able to flag for additional support. At what point does somebody say this is just age-related as opposed right. to it being, you know, maybe there's now a problem that we should look into? So that's a really good question. And when we get a lot, you know, sometimes we hear, oh, he's just a two-year-old boy. And it's like, yes, every toddler has behaviors and tantrums and things are hard. Um, but really when these behaviors are constant and they're interfering with every single activity or you just can't manage it anymore, you're exhausted and you feel like you've tried every single thing you've listened to. That's when we get a lot of calls and we're here. Like it doesn't mean that you have to have a disability or 5,000 behaviors. It could be one behavior. It could be, I cannot get my kid in a bath. I cannot wash their hair. And it's like, those are age appropriate. Like it's okay that your toddler doesn't want their hair washed, but Hey, give us a call. And we're going to give you five things to try that day. And it's just nice to have that support from someone else other than your mom, your friends, Um, and your social network. And everything we provide is really evidence-based. So we're not just like, hey, this sounds good today, try it. No, we've they're all research-based tactics. And that's really important too. And it's okay to ask for help. You know, you if something is more difficult for you than another parent, another parent might not understand that. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to reach out and ask for help and say to your pediatrician, I know that, you know, my son is so bright and he's great at math and he's great at reading, but I'm having so much difficulty just when he gets home from school, following my directions, listening, uh, you know, just it's getting so hard. I need help. You know, it's okay to reach out and ask for help. There's always going to be somebody that can help you. And kind of being held accountable on your own behavior also will help change the behaviors at home. So with things being age appropriate, they might be, but when they constantly, again, like continue throughout the day, um, months, like that's when I'd really be like, okay, it's been a month of this. I need help. Would you say that a child that's acting out in, in using their hands and like hitting, is that 
part of it as well? Well, it depends, right? So all children may develop certain behaviors, but it's how manageable can are those behaviors, right? right? So and how much can we tolerate of those behaviors? So if you're saying that every time your baby starts to cry, your toddler comes over and hits them, and that's becoming so much of an issue that you need additional support for that intervention, then absolutely, like, somebody can help you and give you techniques to advise you on um, how to manage that, then yes. But if it's, if you feel like, you know, it's something, listen, for a lot of typical kids, that's a phase. Right. But you only know if something needs support if you need it. If you right. can't manage that anymore, then it's time to get help. Got it. And the hitting comes and goes. And like, really what we want to look at is like making it a teachable moment, right? So my kid hit another kid on the playground, but like, why, right? Was that kid in their face? Like, I might look at that whole scenario and say, okay, I would, you know, someone came in your face. I wouldn't like that either. Next time someone comes close, let's tell them I need a little space. And just really looking at the behavior as a whole, like that's a lot of what we do and why people call us. Um, also, cause like, they're like, oh, they're hitting, they're hitting. And it's like, well, why are they hitting? No one just hits to hit, right? There's right. something that's maintaining that behavior. Right. So again, like Tess said, when something becomes more than you can handle or something you just want help with, or you're seeing this behavior and you're like, this just doesn't feel right to me. That's right. when I would reach out. Using your intuition a little bit. Yes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I feel like I have a lot of friends right now who seem to be going through this. You talk about kids that won't stay in their room, won't stay in their bed. So when I say I have a lot of friends going through this, I feel like it's super common. Like what are tools that you could give parents to work on this? So listen, these are new skills that children are learning, um, whether it be potty training for the first time. You're teaching this child a brand new skill. Let's think about it. The last three years they were in diapers and all they were supposed to do was pee in the diaper. Now all of a sudden we're teaching them a brand new skill. So let's give them a little bit of credit that they're three-year-old. They're not 30. They're three years old and they're expected to learn something completely new. So first of all, let's give them a little bit of credit. But we do see kids, whether they're in their crib still or in their toddler beds or or full-size beds, they want to leave the room. And I also want to give them a little bit of credit too. I have kids, you know, my own daughter called to me the other night in the middle of the night, she woke up at 3am and it's funny. I actually caught this on the nest cam. So I was going to post about it, but she called me on the nest cam after waking up in the middle of the night and I come in the room and she goes, mommy, I feel so lonely in here. 
Oh. And I'm thinking of her, how do I even respond to that? I'm going back to my room where I sleep with my husband every single night. And right. I expect my three-year-old or three-and-a-half-year-old to be in this big room in the dark with all of the lights off by herself all night long like she's a grown-up. Of course she feels lonely and it's confusing. Like, you get to sleep with daddy, but I'm expected to be here by myself. And That's I get valid. that. So, like, yeah. let's give the kids a little bit of credit. And maybe your kid can't um, internalize it the way that my daughter was able to express herself. Mm-hmm. But it is hard to stay in your room. It's hard to have a great dinner and have a great time playing and bath time and then be put to sleep and the fun's over. And now you're expected to stay in your room the rest of the night. And when I keep leaving the room, mommy and daddy are starting to get really upset at me. Kids don't yeah. really understand like, oh, this is going to really upset everybody that I leave. It's hard, but there are ways. And I don't think there's a a golden rule that's going to work for everybody. And I think that's why a behaviorist job, whether it's Lisa and I or any um, behaviorist that you work with, everything should be individualized because what works for one kid, even with potty training might not work for any others. So if you reach out to a company like Lisa and I, or another behaviorist, you know, give them the picture, understand what's going on for your child. And that way the behaviorists can help you guys, um, find a solution that works for your family because what works for one child or what one family might not work for another. And that's okay. Um, so just really understanding that these are hard things for children to do. It's not fun at the end of the night to be expected to stay in their room all night, but you can come up with a plan that will be successful. And we want everything to be done with reinforcement. We don't, as a behaviorist, we, we really rarely use punishment. And so we really like to advocate that if your tolerance is really low, you're going to be in a vicious cycle because mm-hmm. then every little thing that they do is going to upset you. So the first time that child attempts to get out, if your tolerance is so low, you're already going to be at a combative situation. Right. So take a step back, seek out some help, get a little bit of advice, read a book, maybe try to get a little bit of help. And then when your tolerance is up a little bit, those little things won't be as upsetting to you. Right. So it seems like the main base of this, though, is to try to not get angry because this is coming from a place, it probably is for a lot of kids that they're lonely, they don't want to stop the fun, and we need to be a little bit more compassionate about that. What types of tools could you give parents and caregivers to work with their child at home? So we work with parents to develop individual plans utilizing positive reinforcement. And we give our parents somewhat of a toolbox for success. So we like to focus on teachable moments so just as an example, if we have our parents, um, we often see our parents use things like timeouts for a child, let's say that's hitting their sibling when their sibling starts to get upset. Um, well, that parent may get upset and then send their child to their room and give their child a timeout. But what are we teaching that child in the moment? How can he handle his frustration the next time? Where was the teaching moment? So being sent to his room might give you a minute of like, take a breath, 
figure out, you know, what to do next, but it doesn't give that child any guidance for what to do the next time he's upset. So we really want to give our parents somewhat of a toolbox to set them up for success, to be in the moment and have tactics that they could put into place for different areas of their life. You know, timeouts were just one example, but, you know, we want to set our parents up for success. I was just going to add that on top of the success is just really also within that success is how to respond when these behaviors occur. Um, so like that toolbox really allows for that, that hitting happens. It's not, Oh my God, time out, time out this time out that I'm taking away your toys. There's no Christmas or Hanukkah this year, but like, that's actually not true. It's not going to function. So our tools really look at like what the parent needs to respond, how to help them respond in those moments of, frustration, anger, tiredness. Um, And our biggest thing, like Tessa before, is that positive reinforcement. We really want things to not be punishing and really just positive for you and your child. So if your kid's hitting their sister, you're not going to stop hitting, stop hitting, and the behavior is continuing for weeks. We're going to say, we're going to have nice hands with our sister, or it looks like you want to give your sister a hug or a high five. Why don't we try it like this? So you're, you're allowing that behavior to happen, but you're just giving the attention a little bit differently. Yeah. And a lot of time right now, this whole movement of these big feelings and, Mm -hmm. and is all over Instagram. Lisa and I are seeing it all the time and it's great, but we also really want to make sure we're not also providing attention Mm -hmm. for things that are negative, right? So we want to provide attention for all the good things our children are doing. You know, when we see on Instagram, you know, uh, all the time, you know, let's hug our children and understand, you know, I noticed that you're hitting your your, your brother, you know, how are you feeling? You must have really big feelings right now. And, and talking through that, like, are we giving our child attention when really, that's probably going to reinforce it the next time. So I could just keep hitting my brother. And then the next time my mom's just going to come over and start giving me hugs and kisses and validating my feelings. You know, we really want to make sure we're providing attention for the good things our children are doing and not the negative. Yeah. I think it's great that you pointed that out because especially that is something that I see all over Instagram and definitely try and practice myself. But as you're saying it, it makes sense. Like, oh my God, I'm rewarding bad you're behavior. Rewarding right. But do are you saying that you should reward the good behavior just as much, if not more, along with that bad behavior? Exactly. So if you know that right now we're going through a phase where you're, the siblings are having a lot of difficulty or there's a new baby in the room. And every time the mom goes to pick up the baby, the baby gets hit by the older sibling. Yeah. Well, we already know that's going to happen. We're already seeing that. So instead of, like we said earlier, going over and coddling that toddler, maybe we should just know that this might happen and start reinforcing the toddler for all the good things they're doing before the hit even occurs. So I'm going to use a name like Johnny. Johnny, I love the way you're sitting and playing with your train so nicely. That's so good. How can I help? Can I be the red train? Do you want to be the green train? Let's play together. Or Johnny, I love the way you're going over and talking to your brother so nicely. You guys are playing so well together. You know, start reinforcing all the good things, mm-hmm. even if it's, uh, you know, 
over the top. That way they're not seeking out the negative attention the next time you pick up your child. So you could say, I love the way you're playing with Trine so nicely. You're doing such a good job. I need to pick up the baby right now and give him a bottle. But while I give him the bottle, maybe I could be this green train. Can I play with you? Can we play together? You know, you're sort of setting him up for success before a possible tantrum. So, you know, try to reinforce the good. And that way we sort of see the negative behaviors decrease. That's really useful advice especially coming from a mom with a new baby. (laughs) So let's talk about potty training. This seems to be a specialty of both of yours. So when is the right time to start potty training? We believe this whole idea of when to start potty training by a certain age really was developed by diaper companies. We really don't believe there's the right time to potty train. We think that it's really a a whole child approach to understand when he or she is ready. Um, So I think that reading a book and seeing a certain number in the book and then thinking about your son or daughter and being like, oh my God, that's a month from now. Relax. Like we really don't believe there's a certain time or a certain window that's going to be more successful for a child. I think you need to know your whole child. I think it might be a good idea to put out a potty and see what happens with that. Maybe start running the bath and see if your child is interested in peeing in that potty during those times where the diaper is off. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, But it's really an idea of what is your child showing? Are they able to follow directions? You know, if your child's not able to follow simple directions, your potty training is going to be a lot more difficult. So, you know, we can get into what some of those prerequisites look like for potty training. Um, we just really believe there's no right time. Right. You know, you have to just under- know your child and, and know that, you know, is the environment set up for success? So if your child might be showing that he's somewhat ready to start potty training, but you also might be tackling a big move in five days. Well, right. with your whole apartment in boxes, that might not be the right time to start potty training. And maybe you can hold off for a little bit. And if you can't, you can. If your child's saying, no, I don't want any more diapers on. I mean, at some point you might have to just follow your child's lead, but understand your environment as much as you can. Right. So besides from those, those specific cues, what are other signs that parents could look out for to see if their child is ready? So other signs, like Tess said, we really don't focus on that age, like, oh, my kid's two and now they, they're ready for, like, you know, for it to be potty trains. But we really look at, like, can your child, like, pull their pants up and down, independence for that? Can they sit mm-hmm. for a minute? You know, if your child can't sit for a minute, they're not going to be able to sit on the toilet for potty training for a right. minute. Um, interest. I think one of the biggest things we talk about a lot is like, is your child interested in potty training? If they're not interested, don't do it. You can't force your kids to pee on the potty. So just because you feel they're ready or your friends are all potty training their kids or half the class is potty training, if your kid has no interest, it's not going to matter. There needs to be interest. We can help you build interest and make it a fun experience. But if every time they say potty, they scream, 
don't even try. Right. Is there ever a point in the potty training journey where you're just like, I give up, like I'm done, even if like they they might be sitting and peeing sometimes or I don't know, just, and is it confusing for a child to stop and then restart? Listen, of course it's okay to stop potty training. If you're really somewhat successful and you're able to get the child to pee and you're just worried that, well, he's not initiating when he has to go. So that means he's not really potty trained. I need to stop. Then we would advocate, no, try to stick it out, try to keep going. But if you guys are having a fighting match just to get your child to sit on the toilet, yes, stop. This is not how potty training is supposed to go. Potty training should be an enjoyable experience for you and your child. If you are fighting the child just to sit on the toilet, your child is not ready, even if they're three and a half years old. Mm -hmm. It's just they're not ready. Take a step back, relax, drop everything potty related for at least two or three months, and then try again. It's okay. Your child is not going to kindergarten in diapers. It's okay. To take a month or two off, it will be okay. But if you're, if it's, really something that you think you're, you can work through, then we would probably say, try to keep going, mm-hmm. but not, not if it's a miserable experience. You know, um, we, we really like to see potty training an opportunity for you to have as much success during those days that you're home. Think about it. If you give yourself two days to sit home and potty train your child, you have more opportunities to get your child to understand this brand new skill that we want them to learn. Parents say to me all the time, well, we have a birthday party on Sunday at about 2.30 in the afternoon. Okay. So for that birthday party, you might have to start getting your child ready to leave by two o'clock. You might not be home again until four or five o'clock. Right. You now miss all that opportunity to, that you could have had at home, learning to pee on the potty. Mm -hmm. So really, it's really just about utilizing this opportunity to stay, stay home and learn this brand new skill, but enjoy, relax, put your phones away and engage in play with your child. That's okay. You know, I say this all the time. The second you pick up your phone and start scrolling through Instagram or go to respond to a work email, you shut off. And your child most likely is going to go and find a corner realizing that you're not paying attention and they're relaxed and they're now going to pee. Put your phones aside, play with your child, pick up on those cues. And then after your child has a success on the potty and they've released themselves, now go and maybe catch up on some emails and give yourself a little bit of time to yourself. But within those times where they haven't yet gone, play with them feed them, just enjoy. If it's really going miserably, take a step back. This is not for you. And if you have help, if you have a a caregiver that is really good with your child or a a mother-in-law or father-in-law that might be able to help you, and you know that maybe it's really combative with you and your child, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay Mm -hmm. for somebody else to step in and help. It doesn't have to all be on you and your spouse. I think this is all really great advice because you know, being that we're all attached to our phones, I think that, you know, to be told to put your phone away, it makes total sense. You need to have your full attention on your child because they want your full attention. 
And, you know, it's also hard for us to ask for help. And so to be told that it's okay to do that, I think for everybody listening, like it's not, be asking for help isn't limited to just, you know, like watching your kids. You're, you could have family or you're saying a caregiver, you know, help you with these more difficult tasks if you, if it's not working just with you, which I think is great advice. Yeah. And listen, this idea of, you know, the mom and dad or the parents are responsible for all these different aspects of our, our, our lives. If it's, if it's difficult for you, it's okay to take a step back. Just relating to myself, you know, I'm home for dinner about once or twice a week. And when I'm home, dinner time is so much more difficult when I'm around. So Mm -hmm. I love the idea that I'm home and I'm not at work and I can be with my kids during dinner time, but it's the, it's the time where my daughter has the most difficulty eating her meal when I'm around. There Mm -hmm. are tantrums, there are, um, she's upset. Every, everything is said with whining and it's never successful. And I speak to my caregiver and when I'm not there for those dinners and I'm at work, none of this goes on. So it's okay for, for the nights that I'm home to say, you know what, maybe it's more successful for me to leave the room and she might have an easier time and that's okay. It's interesting because I'm thinking about to what I was telling you guys earlier, how my three and a half year old was having a meltdown this morning and <laughs> this is the first time I've left in two years in the morning. So that probably had a lot to do with it and I didn't even realize that. I think that's so really key what you said is like realizing, right? Like it's like when you talk out what happened, you're like, oh, now mm-hmm. I fully understand like why the behavior happened and why it's occurring. And like that's a lot of our calls. It's not necessarily someone who needs everything. They just might need to like talk through why that tantrum in the morning is happening, why it's happening at dinner time. Why does my kid, every time I go give them a bath and it's just me scream because I'm washing their hair. But if my nanny does it or my husband. They let it happen. So a lot of times it's just sort of understanding why the behavior is occurring. There's always a reason for how to work through it. The realization of those things is very, very interesting. Well, Tess and Lisa, thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with that we didn't get to go over yet? I think we went over a lot of really good hints and tips of how to like know when you need help. The biggest thing is if you feel like you need help or you need extra support, just ask for it. There is no shame in asking for help. I think it's really hard to ask for help, especially as a mom um, and feeling like I need to do everything and everything needs to be done perfectly. That's not true. And I think if you ask for help, it actually makes you a better mom and parent and spouse. So reach out to us, to anyone, if you just need some tips on how to manage a behavior or especially your pediatrician, you know, when you go there, tell them what's going on. You know, Brittany, we spoke earlier once about, you know, crawling techniques, right? Mm -hmm. Tell your pediatrician what's actually going on. If your pediatrician says, is your baby starting to move? Don't just say, yeah, explain what's going on. Is your baby starting to recognize their letters? Explain what you're seeing so that the pediatrician, because they know best, they can pick up on, well, is your baby crawling or is your baby just sitting on their bum and sort of moving around? You know, that way the pediatrician can really pick up on what you're saying and help advocate if there's a need in place. That's great advice. So where could, where could everybody find you? 
So you can find us at our website at nybehaviortherapy.com or we have an Instagram, nybehaviortherapy, and email us at nybehaviortherapy at gmail.com. Thank you both so much for joining me. I've learned so much. I know that everybody's going to really enjoy this episode. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having us. Of course. And that's it for this episode of Betches Moms Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify, and to follow Betches Moms on Instagram. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. The Betches Moms Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.